Welcome to Brother to Brother, a podcast that is part therapy, part tongue-in-cheek, and all real talk. Joining me as always is my brother and co-host, Reggie. How are you doing today? I'm doing well on yourself. I cannot complain. Yesterday was my five-year anniversary, uh, so I went out and celebrated properly. What, but enough about what, what me. What anniversary is that? Is that paper? Or um, what, what's all that? I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, I need to, like, get that printed out. We do our own thing. You know how... You know how me and Becky are. Yeah. Um, ours was a liquid uh, anniversary where we drink a lot of alcohol. So basically another Friday night. Just another Friday night. Um, but again, enough about me. We have our first guest. And joining us on the show, our good friend from high school, Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Hi. I'm doing well. And just so you know, the fifth anniversary, traditionally it's wood. Modern is silverware. Or you can get her some daisies, which is also a good option. Ah, there you go. See? Look at that. Dropping knowledge Thank right from the you, start. Google. Please. Like, anyone has knowledge anymore. <laughs> we just have Google. See, I would have played that off like I knew it. Oh, my God. Yes, would have just driven to the hole. Bam! Know. Slamming I, and That was on me. I am confident enough to say when I don't know something. <laughs> oh, look at that strength. Um, I, had, I have to congratulate you. Uh, your Tar Heels... Uh, Gave Duke a proper beating last night. Yep. After the game at Cameron, I was not sure how that was going to go. I was all set to go to bed at halftime um, and had to convince myself to stay up given how the play in the first half was. Well, you guys ended up pulling it out, so um, <sighs> there's still a tournament. There's still a tournament. Uh, but enough about that. I guess I can join um, the conversation now, now that you guys are done, oh, done with sports. Rich was like, oh. Sports ball? Is sports ball done? Is sports ball done? <laughs> That's how I am normally. Especially when the when the guys at work start talking about golf. I'm like, oh, how do I get Oh, God. Here? Yep, that's that's my parachute move right there. I'm a big sports fan, but golf, I'm like, all right, this is golf and NASCAR. Thank you, no thank you. <laughs> I can turn left. <laughs> so has this tournament started? Because, like, I saw everybody watch. Basketball just seems like one of those sports that never ends to me. Like, it, so right it seems now, like it's always playing. It's the- Right now it's the conference tournaments, and then next week is the uh, is the big dance. The okay, so I have time to fill a bracket and then forget about my bracket. That yeah. is correct. Just do it before Wednesday morning, because yep. on Wednesday morning all of those sites go down because half of America is trying to fill out a bracket. Yeah, get on it early. Selection Sunday. Do it. Wait till Monday before they do their specials, and then um, you know, put it in on Tuesday, and then walk away. Wash your hands of it. But enough of the small talk. We're going to skip the Carson Corner this week because we're going to go right into the news. Let's talk about the Oscars real quick. Uh, They were on last Sunday. There was a lot of, you know, big push talking about diversity. There was a lot of nuanced Trump bashing. Some of it not very nuanced. But what did you think of the Oscars? Did you guys watch it? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> I a rare moment where i watched the oscars because i haven't watched in uh well over a decade probably and but i was so excited about um get out and uh shape of water maybe winning some stuff that i decided to actually sit down and watch it and as i was watching i'm like i forgot how boring it was i mean it, it has its moments they're really great moments but there are a lot of awards that are just like snooze fest you know i'm like get to the big awards doggone i don't i don't care about like costume design and i mean not that those things shouldn't be you know celebrated but some of that stuff is just snooze fest you know and it's like when it's the same five same five movies being nominated for all that stuff it's like okay i guess my biggest problem with the oscars because again like you um this was the first year i've watched since the year after um are the the year the Dark Knight wasn't nominated. That was the last year I was like, you know, fuck the Oscars, I'm done with this. But this year again, excited about Get Out, wanting to see that. Um, I did watch it. But again, having seen a lot of the Oscar movies this year for the first time, thank you, Movie Pass. Um, <laughs> it made me mad because I always felt like movie. I knew which movies were going to win, and I didn't agree with them. Like. Like with sound stuff, Dunkirk won a lot of stuff, but I hate that war movies always win sound-related uh, categories because basically because of the sound of bullets going by your head and bombs going off. Yet I think space movies do them better. 
our futuristic movies do them better. And then for costume, it always go to like old Victorian um, movies, you know, instead of going to like what's new, what's different, what's unique. It's like, how many times do I need to see a Victorian dress win an Oscar? When you have things like uh, The Hunger Games, which I think really went out on a limb. As yeah. far as costuming is concerned and, you know, isn't the genre that normally gets nominated for those things. Yeah, it's just, that's always my complaint with the Oscars. It's just sense of modern um, of modern art and the view of it, it's just never reflected. It's just old people voting for old looking stuff. Well, I don't well, know. I, I, I hate to push back on, on this because I generally agree with you, but I think when you look at, I don't know what other movies would have, like modern movies should have won i mean there's star wars definitely should not have won for costume I, I i don't think that there's really any special costuming stuff from star wars like what... i don't know they really did some interesting things with the stormtroopers to differentiate them <laughs> joking joking sorry i wasn't sarcastic enough <laughs> no i just like like what blade runner 2049 i mean it was just trench coats and it wasn't just trench coats you if you look like at the people in the background if you look, I mean, you're looking, the way I look at it, like the Phantom Thread one for costume design, and it's just like, oh, it's just a bunch of dresses. Like, I. But they're really I just, good dress. I don't know. I, oh, they're really good dresses. Because, like, like no, I'm, some movies are just, you know, especially futuristic movies, they're just like, go to the thrift shop and show up on set. And, and this I, is what I the dark feature looks very like. Simplistic. I think that's being very simplistic. Like, that's the thing I liked about um, Blade Runner. Uh, 2049 is the idea that um there wasn't anything special in that no if you again if you if you're looking at just the if you're looking just at like the main characters but like you saw people whose bodies were augmented for the jobs that they were doing like it's a future that is uh not necessarily dystopian but it's almost like cyberpunky in the sense that it's like it's you you have people who i work in you know, I say I work in the mind, so I have, like, built-in lungs, uh, basically, you know, like, I feel like those things are more important and and are worth more than just, like, oh, here's another Victorian dress, but this time it's pink and has sequins on it. Mm. But isn't one of those part of the story and the other one costuming? Right. Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. That's just my complaint. I, for the most part, I enjoyed, uh... The movies I saw, and I agreed with most of the awards that were won. Um, yeah, Get Out. I I still feel Get Out was robbed because, uh, you know, Shape of Water is my second favorite movie of last year. So I'm sort of, you know, if Get Out had to lose, I'm glad it lost to to uh, Shape of Water. But at the same time, and this is really my my big complaint with the Oscars is that it. it was very self-congratulatory. You know, they were patting themselves on the back for just how progressive they are. But then bringing up all these problems in Hollywood, I'm like, you can't be both progressive and then the cause of all the problems that you're talking about. You know, like when Frances McDormand got up and was like, um, look at all these women. Why don't you call them to, to um, you know, work on projects and don't just congratulate them for the work they've done, you know? And then she talked about inclusion writers and that became a big thing. And it was like, yeah, you know, you've got all this diversity and you nominate these people, but then you don't actually give them awards because, I mean, Get Out is a, a clear example of, you know, showing just how far we've come but still how far we have to go because there's just so many people in the academy who are just like i don't see that as oscar worthy you know because they're just a bunch of old folks and and majority of them are like old white guys you know i mean you, you don't have women getting getting nominated for technical awards and then when they do i mean the fact that um you know so few women are nominated for best director is a travesty same boat as you i thought that uh get out should have won but shape of water was a great movie too so yeah it just felt like i've seen it before furries had their moment <laughs> i joke <What>? yeah. <laughs> um but moving on in some other news an office or a former officer in Asheville, north carolina was finally charged with assaulting a man over a jaywalking incident the officer uh, in the initial incident um was training a Another officer, when he stopped the man for jaywalking, uh, the man was upset because he had just uh, finished a 13-hour shift and basically just wanted to go home. And 
while arguing with the officer eventually the officer decided to arrest him the man ran and then the officer basically tackled him and while he was being restrained um, assaulted him now the only reason why this officer ended up getting charged was because of the fact that someone uh, either in the DA's office or someone in the state authorities uh, leaked the footage which then caused um, the FBI to do a separate investigation at, at the request of the DA's office. Uh, the officer was fired January 2nd of this year, um, but only now is facing charges in March, and the incident itself happened in August of 2017, which just speaks to everything wrong with policing in this country. Yeah, I mean, this. the only reason I really want to talk about this is because it just goes to really illustrate you know, why we need uh, accountability for police and, and um, you know, other law enforcement agencies, agencies and officers, because, I mean, this happened in August, and it's just now coming out because someone leaked it. And the reason it was leaked is because uh, Governor McCrory, before he left office uh, in North Carolina, passed this law, or, well, the, I guess not just McCrory, he signed it, but they passed this law in North Carolina where um, police footage of incidents and things like that uh, can be will only be released at the discretion of the police chiefs and um, a few other uh, people in uh, law enforcement. And it's just, I mean, I think even to the point where if you're involved in the incident, you might not get access to it or you have to file all this paperwork and, and all these motions to get access to it. And this is, you know, a clear example of why that stuff is important that people, you know, this is why we have like Freedom of Information Act and, and things like that to hold the government, state, and federal accountable. It's just unfortunate. Like, the idea that you leave it up to the police chief to decide whether or not to release video that may show abuse when it, there's a clear history of people in authority not being open and transparent, that law itself, I couldn't believe it's... Has no one sued the state over that law? I mean, it's North Carolina. And our Democratic governor hasn't gotten around to getting rid of it. Surprise, surprise. I forgot you guys have a Democratic governor now. We do. That... It's really odd. And not to say that, like, police are better up, up north, because they're not. I mean, if, if anyone who uh, knows anything about New York City police, like, they, they, you know, they just did a study um, and found that over the last two years, 86% of all marijuana possession arrests have been black and latino men 86 percent and, and did you see that uh article this week i think it was this week about i think the other philly or new york that had this giant list of cops that um they wouldn't that the da were told not to call to the stand because they they don't have any accountability and then like in new york there was a, st a study released about how all these cops um were, were still on the force for like fireable offenses because people just swept them under the rug and the DA wanted charge or things like that. You know, like for instance, um, there are a lot of officers apparently who would have sex with people they arrested and then claim that they consented to the, to like the sex and whatnot. And like, it just recently became illegal for cops in New York to do that. The fact that that has to be illegal is scary. Yeah. Cause I mean, there was that one, uh, that just happened, I think, last year. Uh, a girl was like 17 years old. She was with her friends smoking weed, and then the cop showed up, told the guys to leave, and then they drove her around town for like a couple of hours, and they they raped her and stuff. And she went to the hospital with her mother and reported that it was police. And then, like, all these cops showed up to intimidate her and tell her to keep her mouth shut. And those two guys that, that raped her are, are charged now, and I think... I think they may have been convicted. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up to be sure. But the point is, is like those other nine officers that showed up, they're still on the force. It's like it's so hard to trust people when it's like I don't understand why the cops and the DA want to protect people that they know are 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 bad. It's just mind boggling to me. He's like you'd think that those are the people you want to get out. Well, it's just a failure of justice when you have. The a crooked police force, either because they're people who are doing corrupt things or they're people who are looking the other way. But then to have the the judicial side where the DA is like, I need these guys to put people away. I'd rather look the other way than put these rapists or assaulters or 
batters away. Like in that in that article, I couldn't read through the whole thing. I was just getting too angry. There's this one officer who had four documented excessive force cases in the three year period that cost the city nine hundred thousand dollars. Like why is that why is that guy still on? That's the thing that gets me the most is like these people are costing their their you know, their cities and their towns like millions and millions of dollars. Like I can't imagine why just the money alone you wouldn't want to get rid of them. There's nothing I could do at my company that they would be like, we'll pay $900,000 to keep you. Or to even cover up something you did. Exactly. They'd be like, uh, no, we have an HR department for this. Get out. We can't even get, I mean, we don't even buy people lunch. It's you know? so I mean... crazy. <laughs> it is <insane>. so crazy. <laughs> but, oh you know, we need, to, we need to run government like business because that'll solve everything. Oversight. Just We just need a public oversight that is so removed from, like, politicians be like if you are connected to politicians or police or fire department whatever you you can't be part of this commission you have to be so isolated to be so we can have people but even then it'll get tainted it's just humans the problem is we give people judgment or the ability to make judgments and we don't give them frameworks to apply that judgment we just assume that everybody's gonna gonna know what to do and that's short-sighted we're all different as humans but to agree on that framework would take so long that it would never it would never happen. I feel you're right. Yeah. Um but uh well <laughs> exactly. Let's let's move on real quick to the Trump craziness this week. Um I guess we could start with the terrorists. He Trump is definitely unleashed here. Uh despite everybody pushing back, people in his own party from McConnell and Ryan to his um who was a cone that resigned over this? Yep. Uh, yeah, he decided he's going to put tariffs on on uh, aluminum and steel. I think what twenty five percent. Twenty five percent on steel and ten percent on aluminum. And we were already seeing the effects of what is possibly a trade war. I, I think it's pretty obvious that a trade war is coming uh, because you know the EU has said that they're going to start targeting uh, directed goods like uh, jeans. Uh, Kentucky whiskey, basically going after places important to people like McConnell and uh, the dairy industry in Wisconsin. And uh, this Electra Lux, um, they halted a $250 million investment in the state of Tennessee because they don't know. They're saying it's because of the uncertainty caused by the terrorists and how this uh, will affect them. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the economy is going to do over the next six to eight months if this actually goes through. I did see something saying that um, individual nation states can um, apply for exemptions, uh, but, I mean, how long is that going to take? I mean, I okay, here's the, the devil's advocate. Well, never mind, I'm not. Well, I'll just say this. I understand why to a certain extent, you would want to do tariffs because the big thing that, that Trump keeps talking about is that China is is flooding the market with steel and aluminum and then using certain countries to you know lower the price and corner the market and things like that. And, and that's why you would want to have these tariffs. The problem with that is, one, that's a much more complicated and nuanced argument than Trump is, pop, is capable of making. And then two, we already have tariffs against Mexico and other countries that are importing all this steel from China to flood on the market. So like these tariffs that he, you know, his ultimate goal to uh, attack or, or harm China is already in effect. So it does no good, you know, and he's trying to protect again. It's just like the coal industry trying to protect a few jobs at the, you know, expense of many more jobs. Like people are like, well, I work in the steel industry and that's helping me. Yeah. Like it's going to help them. But then he's made it a point He's made a opportunity where it is now cheaper to send to import completed goods than it is to make them here in America. So that just hurts everybody in the long run. It doesn't Again, help the people. Short sighted. It's short sighted. Exactly. So short sighted. And it, it's it's elevating the folks who work in the steel industry over the people who work in the steel using industries. Um, but here's here's my biggest problem with all of this. Let's say this tariff fails miserably, right? We've got somebody in charge of this policy who's going to refuse to believe that it actually failed. 
Mm-hmm. Give it more time. Give it more time. That's fake news. Give it more time. Exactly. And that's the no, thing, too. You because will find something else that will, for everyone to start talking about, and we will just end up in a in in a worse situation. I mean, or I'm, he'll just I'm say a that market it, person, right? At the same time, what do tariffs do? So we've got these tariffs. People who people who <laughs> produce steel in the U.S. are not going to keep their prices at what they are right now. They are going to raise them to right below the tariffs, and everything is just going to get more expensive for everyone who can't afford it. Yeah, short sighted. Um, short sighted. Real quick, just want to say Governor Scott signed a gun law in um, Florida. Uh, it makes it so you have to be 21 to buy guns. Uh, it's going to farm, uh, fund arming some teachers. It's going to fund also hardening security in schools and mental health programs. And John, like I said, for the past couple of weeks, do, do you think things are changing? I do not think things are changing. <laughs> I think a year from now we'll still be having these shootings. And Florida is already the wild, wild west as far as it comes to guns. Um, I imagine there will be a huge because um, I don't know when this I don't know if this law has gone into effect immediately or if there's a usually there's a window between when it's signed and when it goes in into law. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people buying up guns now or have been buying up guns as this has been going on. The NRA suing to try and get the law thrown out. I just don't see it. Okay. I mean, I'd like to think it, but I don't see it. Um, sorry. Let's. Skip ass hat of the year and, and hero nominees of the year and get into the main topic. The nominees are. How about we just run through them real quick? Okay. Um, because mine's real easy. Ryan Zinke or Zinke, I don't know. He's the Interior Department se- um, Secretary. Uh, and their department spent $139,000 on two sets of double doors for their office. Um, that is the most bullshit expenditure ever. And our government does a lot of that shit. Uh, continue, continues a pattern of abusive spending by Trump officials, which, you know, that whole drain the swamp bullshit. Um, but that is... He, he gets our asshat nomination for this uh, episode. And our Heroes of the Year, uh, Thursday was International Women's Day, and I just wanted to highlight all the amazing things women have been doing around the world. But even more so, I enjoyed the way um, so many women have been openly celebrating. It's one of the things I've been saying for a while. I hope that this movement is something that is now the new norm. And I Because if it is, I think the women the girls the women who are coming of age right now who are being born today will have a much better existence than their mothers their sisters did i think the idea of um you know the just sort of the toxic toxic masculinity and the misogyny that has just been allowed i think more and more of that will be stripped down and hopefully men will be raised to see women as equals and to not be afraid of their ability to be better than men. Along those lines was something I kind of saw along those lines, something in like kind of real time uh, this week. <laughs> I'm in this Facebook group uh, that's a, you know, a fan Facebook group of this podcast. How did this get made? And somebody, this dude came in and um, was talking about how he's had seen a wrinkle of time and then was just trashing it. And, it was one of those things where it was like just to see in real time all all these people clapping back and just to totally destroying this dude. It's like you come in here and you want to talk about how shitty this movie is when, you know, it's so important to so many people, uh, girls and people of color to see something like really important and see themselves represented on screen. But you don't talk shit about any other kind of movie. It's just one of those things where like he totally didn't. It was just like misread the room and it's it's good to see that like these hot takes are being pushed back against and that you know women are just pissed and 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 fed up with the the crap that they have to take from dudes and they're like not going to take it anymore and like i i'm loving seeing that you know that people who are underrepresented are are standing up and saying you know we're here and you know it's important for us to to be uh heard my personal signpost here is and I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but when you throw like a girl isn't an insult, then I think we would have made it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's really true. But I that who that's who I wanted to nominate for um, the here our episodes hero of the year nominee. Um, women are doing it up, and it's been really great just to see women being uplifted into power positions and then pulling other women up with them. So guys, take a seat, listen, and learn. Women too. Everybody learn. But it's time to get into the main topic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And our main topic today is cultural appropriation. So let's just get right into it. What? How would you define cultural appropriation? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. So, I mean, I think cultural appropriation is taking with a lack of respect. That's my personal definition. And that can, so, I mean, yeah. There. Yeah. I think I would, I would <laughs> say it's, yeah, I think I would say cultural appropriation is taking without acknowledging, you know, the history or, or, or where it came from. Or better yet, it's like taking something and bastardizing it without giving due credit. It's almost like plagiarism, but like on a cultural level. Agree. Oh. Agree. That's a great way to put it. That really is a great way to put it. Um, I was going to say, whenever I think about cultural appropriation, I look at it like, I think of it more of it as a, like cultural appropriation versus cultural assimilation versus cultural mockery. I kind of feel like they all sometime, somehow uh, sometimes get thrown underneath the umbrella of cultural appropriation, even though they're very different. Right, because uh, I think, because I think a lot of times people see someone who's like, you know, I lived in India and I fell in love with the people and the culture, and then they're like, you can't do that. You're white. You're black. You're not Indian. It's wrong. Or the same way, it's like you know, you see people who move to Hawaii, and even though they're not Polynesian, they, you know, they get into that culture. They get uh, Polynesian uh, tattoos. They, you know, maybe, you know, name their child a a cultural name that's not of their own. And I think a lot of people sometimes put their own angst on it and make it seem as if this person is trying to steal from this culture as opposed to the idea that this person assimilated the things they loved about a culture into their life. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying because I think, I, I personally think that there should be a difference between, you know, appropriation, assimilation, mockery, because like people will talk about you'll see folks during like Halloween wearing Native American headdresses like that's cultural appropriation I'm like no that's just being an asshole you know <laughs> I, I don't think that these people are really embracing the the cultural uh, meanings behind the things that they're doing they're just like let's dress like Indians and, and go around you know powwowing and shit like that like that's just being an asshole or, or or a racist or something like that's not cultural appropriation but at the same time you know you see people who are like they get offended when other cultures wear dreadlocks like like i know that's a thing that i see a lot um from like not just and that's the thing it's not just from black people it's like other i, I got into this argument where it's like white people are like white people can't wear dreadlocks i'm like i don't know i just I guess that's where I have a problem, like the whole idea of cultural appropriations, because I sometimes think that it's a weapon that people use against other folks to say that they can't do something. And I don't know that it's necessarily fair. Like, and I always I, wonder, you know, where is that coming from? Like, you know, if there are police, then, you know, shouldn't we all have the same set of rules that we're playing by? It's right. okay for dreadlocks. It's not okay for this. It's okay for that. It's not okay for this. I mean, we're all kind of like the blind leading the blind, waiting for someone to get offended. Exactly, because the, and I guess that's that 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 really hits the uh, nail on the head for me because it doesn't seem like it seems like white people can appropriate culture from other cultures, and apparently that's a bad thing. But it doesn't. I don't know that you could ever see the inverse where that's. A problem like I don't I couldn't imagine somebody saying to a black guy that they're appropriating white culture like what would that even look like stop you know, wearing polo shirts right you know you can't wear a mullet <laughs> you know like what what, what they, take those okay, boat shoes sorry, off sorry, you can't wear a mullet I'm making that rule right now yeah I agree with that that's a universal that's a human rule <laughs> you know right? uh no I mean I I, I totally get that it's I think the most extreme thing when you were asking that question, I was thinking like a black guy wearing a kilt and someone being like, 
motherfucker, you're not Scottish. Take that off. <laughs> Put those bagpipes down, sir. Now, you know, full disclosure, I have I have one very culturally ambiguous child, right? So, you know, not to not to be a, a special snowflake here, but we gotta be careful when you tell people what they can and can't do because you don't really know their heritage either. Right. Exactly. Well, the thing for me, I just I think like it's all about intent. Yeah. Like you said, with the Native American headdress, like Listen, if you're walking around whooping with, like, fake tomahawks, you're being a racist asshole. Now, that's not to say... And this is and this is my question, because I actually had this debate with someone um, at work who, because her kid was learning about, you know, the pioneer and the, um, the young America, and as he, he found out about some Native American chiefs and that led him to do some independent reading, and he wanted to be Geronimo for, for Halloween. And his mom's like... I don't know how to tell him he can't do that. Like, I don't know why. And I'm but... like, and I was like, here's the thing. I was like, he can be Geronimo. Just don't, Geronimo didn't wear a headdress. So don't make him wear a headdress. Make him, get him some like leathers and stuff and make sure he knows about the character. Don't put, like, he doesn't have to wear Indian face paint. He doesn't have to do I don't know any about of the that one. stuff. I, I, like, I gotta. I kind of want to say that because of the historical nature of America and making fun and dressing up, I don't think that uh, there's this part you, of me that thinks like there there needs to be a cool down period because I mean we're still not at a place where people even admit that that's a problem. So until we can at least get there, then I don't know that. But we're talking about a kid, and not only that, the reason why I think it's okay if. If some white kid wanted to dress up as Malcolm X, he could wear the suit that Malcolm X wore. And he could talk about, have an educated, you know, being like, I read about this character. I thought he was important. I want to be that. I want to dress up as that person. Like, I think you can do it tastefully without having to. I'll say this. If you do it, it has to be 100% authentic. Like, you have to get a picture of Geronimo and make the whatever he was wearing in that picture i think that's the only way that that works and that's right. and that's basically what i i said to her is like you know if if he comes up dressed up and someone's like holy shit that kid looks like geronimo he's not gonna look like a normal store-bought native american costume he's going to look authentic and the fact that he'll be able to like tell about his life will completely disarm the thing you'll be able to see that he appreciates this character as opposed to is trying to mockingly mimic this person. Hmm. I'll say this. When it comes to cultural appropriation, I think the main reason people have a problem, and I guess the only where I have a problem is when, I guess it's because like the majority tries to, I guess, take away from like minority or, or yeah, minority communities and then, you know, assimilate and take it as their own. And, and I guess that's why to a certain extent, you won't hear minorities being accused of cultural appropriation of, like the majority culture, because I think when you, for lack of a better word, appropriate the majority, it's not appropriation. It's, you know, like it's assimilation. Like that's where assimilation comes in. Maybe other people are just tired of the majority assimilating their culture for, for again, lack of a better word. Cause like you see it, I think the, the biggest example, the easiest example of cultural appropriation comes in like the food industry, like mm-hmm. the way, certain fads and, and and certain cuisine becomes like the big deal for the year like it like seems sriracha. like yeah like sriracha or or pho seems to be a big thing this year you know like vietnamese food and like everybody's had their year and it's just like they they take it and then make it they bastardize it so that palatable for the mainstream majority and like i can understand why people would be uh you know offended by that yeah well it's like when they started making the burrito uh sushi roll and i was just like no yeah motherfucker no this is not sushi don't call that sushi and stop putting cilantro and everything god (laughs) i'm gonna have to disagree with you there so i I was gonna have to say let's 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 take a step back from the edge Um, that to he me that that's whose, that... whose cuisine had cilantro and everything. Exactly. I think once you put cilantro it. in it, I'm like, okay, it's jumped the shark and it has been it, it's been ruined. <laughs> cilantro is good, man. 
There's nothing wrong with cilantro. Are you one of those cilantro. people that has the cilantro like metal taste? Yes. Like those tasters. Oh, see, that's just because your taste buds are are, are bad. <laughs> that has nothing to do with us. Come on, man. Right? That's genetics. Exactly. Blame your genetics. Um. Now, pulling back the curtain a little bit. Uh, looking at we. Every now and then when we do these shows, we have our show notes going. And, Abby, you brought up a really good um, incident that I thought was kind of interesting. The whole idea of the Moana costume. Because I know that was a lot of controversy for a lot of people around Halloween. Again, going back to that. Um, How do you guys feel about, you know, kids dressing up as these characters and I'm not necessarily just some of these characters like do you think it's do you think it's appropriation to have the tribal tattoos with the Maui costume so I think the reason that that costume was so well at least the reason that I thought it was it was crazy is because they put it on a um on on like dark arms does that make sense um yep. so it made it seem as if the kids would it, it was the, to me it was equivalent to blackface right yeah you were you were uh. trying to put these tattoos on on a darker arm so you wouldn't so so you were maybe true to life to the character but not necessarily to the person who was getting in the costume ah, that's what that's I where need... that's where i took it or how i yeah took that's it. how that's how i saw it too it was like a costume that was blackface right right and to me that's totally wrong you can't do that like and that doesn't I... make any sense right it, it doesn't the costume isn't better for making your arms a little darker um that being said, if Disney is, if we're going to praise Disney for bringing ethnic characters into the forefront, then we, I mean, they're going to, they're going to do what corporations do. They're going to turn around and try to make money off of it. You can't put Moana and Maui up as characters that you want kids to emulate and look up to and learn from and not expect that they're going to want to dress up like them. That's just kids. Yeah, I totally agree. And when it comes to the kids stuff, I think. For me, the only problem... I mean, if white kids want to dress up as Black Panther or Moana or whatever, what have you, I don't really have a problem with it. The only problem I guess I do have is that it it seems like they... It seems like they want the best of both worlds. Like, they want to take... And I guess this really goes to the whole cultural appropriation thing. You know, taking on uh, something, borrowing, but then not really dealing with the whole all the baggage that comes with that you know i mean if you have your kid dress up as black panther it's also important to talk about why the black panther character is important or why uh moana is important to so many other people and why some people would have a problem with dressing up like i mean if you just dress up your kid as that because they think it's cool but they don't talk about you know, the story of Moana or the story of Polynesian people or the story of uh, how we got Hawaii, how we got Hawaii or how maybe a little heavy for an eight year old. But at the same time, I think I know it wasn't heavy for us growing up because that's conversations that we had to have, you know, sure. and it feels sure. and I guess that's the problem I have is that it allows them to to take the fun aspects of that without having to deal with the heavy aspects because you know, they're because of privilege, you know, I think minority kids in America have to have these heavy conversations at at a young age. Right. Right. And And and, that's fair. Right. And if you're a white kid, you don't have to have those conversations. So I I think if you're going to have your kid dress up like that, then you need to have those conversations as well. You need to understand because you need to give them the full picture, not just the Disney version. Because if this kid goes off to school dressed as a Black Panther and some black kids like you can't he's not your hero you can't dress like that that kid's gonna come home confused and and not know why some kids took offense to that right right very fair um but at the same time you know kids are gonna say stuff no matter what right True. so your kids are gonna be confused about something no matter what and as a parent that's your job to kind of navigate that and i think parents a lot of times are busy and distracted and Maybe they don't take the time to think through all of these things. Um, and so that's that's on us as parents, not necessarily the kids. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Which makes parenting terrifying, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Try raising a boy with all this Me Too stuff swirling in your head. I'm like, dear God, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... 
Ooh, that yeah, that's a that's an interesting job. No manual for that. No. Oh man. No. Jonathan, you better take down notes. <laughs> uh, I'm no, I'm more for the crash course type of person. Well, the crash course happens regardless. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, before we get into our, uh, I know we have a question. Um, I want to ask one last question about appropriation. Do you think it is cultural appropriation or cultural mockery to name your child a non a name from a culture that isn't yours? Like I've always had a dream of, well, not necessarily have a dream. I've always I haven't wanted to have girls. As I'll be outfront and honest, if I have kids, I've always wanted to have boys. Just because it seems and like you're saying that on a podcast when your future kids could go back and listen to that's, that's... Yeah, that's fine. Listen, I'll admit it. Listen, I've talked about it for to so many people that there's no way they're not going to find out about it if I have a girl. <laughs> they're like, "You're dead." That's the only thing he wanted. Whatever. Talk about it in college. If you have he a talked girl, about it. Post. She's gonna have you so wrapped around her finger, and then she's that's gonna, um, I mean... that, trust me. My wife does already. I don't, I don't need any more of that. I have female dogs. I just like I'm just getting basically just getting played my entire adult career. Go on by the ladies. But I've always, if I did have a girl, I always loved the name um, Mariko, which is a Japanese name. I like it because obviously some of its connections to the X Men Wolverine line. Um, Do you know what but, it means? Um, I actually have a whole little spread out. I can get it off of my Google Drive if you really want me to. No, no, that's not necessary. (laughs) But I think that's what it comes down to. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a problem with people taking other names or whatever. I think people name their kids weird crap. I mean, there are going to be so many Daenerys's coming up in 10 years. (laughs) I never thought about that. uh, So I'm okay. Whatever. Well, here, let me give you my perspective as somebody who has a long ethnic name, right? You introduced me as Abby. My full name is Abby Rami. Um, and living in a country where people can't say names that are more than like a few syllables long, I think you you want to think more about how your kid's name is going to be received as well. So when I when we had our daughter, yeah, it took a long time to come up with her name. And, you know, we had a few a few rules. And one of them was, you know, that I wanted her to have an ethnic name. Um, that felt really important to me. Um, but thinking about how you're going to give her that ethnic name in a way that's palatable to the rest of the U.S. was important. And I think you just have to make sure you're doing it in a respectful way rather than a than an other way. And I can't think of anything that's more of an honorific than naming your child something. You know, nobody names their child for a joke. Right. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. Have you heard Kanye's kid's name? Okay. But does he think that's a joke? That's, I mean, I might think it's a joke, uh, but does he? Uh, I don't know. I had a professor once whose kids um, were Luke, Han, and Leia. I kid you not. <laughs> I mean, and... I wouldn't do it, but right, I can't. I would, I would want to murder it? my parents. I think, I, I mean, as, as long as you're not fetishizing the culture, then I don't know that it's a problem. But, I mean, right. other people might have a problem with it. So, so I guess that's just something to keep in mind. If you named your daughter Mariko and you only let her wear like little Asian looking dresses, like that would be weird. Right. Oh, that would be insane. Right. But if you named her, take that kid away. Right. If you just name, if you if that's her name, that's that's her name, right? Like eventually it becomes hers, and you stop thinking about the other aspects of it. That's kind of the way I've always thought about it, but I always love to get people's different takes on it because some people are like, you know, what's what's it matter? You know, why can't a Japanese person name their kid? Thomas. I think and, and, yeah, there's no reason though. not to. Like my my brother in law, mm. his daughter, his wife is fully Japanese, and their daughter's first name is Wakako, but her middle name is Amelia, which is still kind of weird to me. But like that's her name, like and that's her. But and and she's seven, and and it's not that weird anymore because that's just her name. Yeah, and I think that really goes into something that we haven't talked about it, but like it's it does seem like, you know, I said. You know, black people are never accused of, of of cultural appropriation, but like the only time I actually ever hear it is when they're quote unquote appropriating other cultures. Like, like for instance, this big anime craze that's going around. A lot of people are miffed and c- call that cultural appropriation. Where I just think that that's just you know finding a new genre that you love. I don't. I don't. Again, I don't know why that's a problem. 
Well, I don't think I don't think you can culturally appropriate anime. Like that's like saying you could culturally appropriate sci-fi or horror. Like it's just a genre of of entertainment, of books, music, movies. Like and it's I don't... already for sale. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, it is Asian in origin, mm-hmm. but it's it's not just Asian specific. I mean, to me, like that's the only it's only natural, right? Because when we were coming up yeah. to cartoons that were on TV, right. Dragon Ball Z and all of that stuff. Like, it was only natural that people were going to look for more of that as they got older. Um, so I don't think you can call that cultural appropriation. Maybe you can say that it's, like, insensitive if all you know of Japanese culture is anime and you think everything is like that. Um, but I, I, I couldn't put that in the appropriation bucket. Well, before we move on, uh, I guess this will just be the last one. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. But what about, like, uh, karate and taekwondo and even yoga, things like that? Do you... Is that like cultural appropriation or is that just nope. something else? Nope. It's just another just an thing to do. Yep. Just an activity. So now, I did mention it in the yoga in the in the show notes, but you know, if you are a yoga teacher and you're not Indian, which is the vast majority of them in this country, just use your name. You can be Frank and teach yoga. You don't have to be Ganesh. Yeah. That to me is weird. Like unless you've changed your name legally, like it doesn't make you better at yoga to change your name when you're teaching. It just makes it confusing. Why would you change your name legally for that? I still feel like that. I feel like at that point, you're like even going further into the... Unless you have some connection, you know, you you lived someplace and that was the nickname they gave you. And then you're like, you know, it just stuck. I felt like that became a part of who I am. As opposed to being like, I want to feel more authentic. Yeah. While being completely... Inauthentic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I think we'll leave it there. I, I'm r- glad we had this conversation, and I'm really glad we didn't bring up Rachel Dolls also. Oh, my when God. <laughs> but let's uh, finish with our, our last segment here, Ask a Black Guy. We got a question uh, from Pandemonium. Uh, hey there. So first of all, First off, I need to say that I really love the show you two put on, and I've recently finished binging your entire catalog in the past few weeks, and I'm hungry for it. Hey, hey. Thanks, and uh, we apologize for the bad audio at, towards the beginning. The proper people have been punished. <laughs> yes. Um, severely beaten. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for making such a fun and informative show that I look forward to. So with that out of the way... I was wondering how you feel about the sassy black woman trope in media. I was watching a movie the other night and just noticed that it is a thing I see often. I mean, it is usually, I mean, it is usually is the actress Sharon Wilkins maybe is just the type cast in that role. Anyway, big gulps. Thanks for the work you guys put in. Uh, it doesn't go unappreciated. Pandemonium. Um, I'm, t- I'm tired of it. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's an easy thing to do, and it's it's really lazy. But I mean, it goes under the. There's so many lazy tropes out there. The geek hacker, you know, who's is skinny and doesn't get enough sun. Um, the the Asian accountant, yeah. the Indian doctor, the nerdy girl who is girl next door hot, but not hot enough to be noticed. Or the yeah. ones that are maybe a little more insulting, right? Like the the quickie mart right oh my god right that stuff and uh, you know having watched the i don't know if you guys watched the special um the problem with apu i think that's what it's called um hari kondabulu like i haven't watched it yet it's one of those things that like now looking back as a kid i'm like oh that i feel a part of me feels bad about it and I think about all the movies where it's like you know it's either the quickie mart the indian quickie mart uh owner or the um, Asian shop owner who are like, they always speak broken English. They always think someone's stealing from them. Uh, the cab driver from Deadpool. Yeah, I was yep. just about to say, like, I like now, like, there's so many problems with that character. Yeah. It's just like, why can't he just be a, a Indian who just speaks with a regular accent? Like, why do they have to be this boxed-in character? Why do they have to? It's, it's just unfortunate. Um, so yeah, the sassy black woman, the angry black guy. You know, it's, it's not. Everyone has that type of trope, and it really just comes down to the fact that not enough people have said enough of this to make studios and and television change it. 
but hopefully, you know, hopefully it, it will change when people realize that, you know, we don't have to have these typecast caricatures. But yeah, good question. Yeah, uh, thank you for the question. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you guys. I just think it's, you know, it's lazy, it's overdone, and it is the time for it has come, and, and I think it's gone. Because, like, I really don't see the sassy, well... It could just be what I watch. It's probably just what I watch. Exactly. It's what you watch. Yeah, and I think if more people choose not to watch that stuff. I think it's easier to have those those tropes and like comedies because you're going for the quick laugh. So, But uh, with that, uh, Abby, thank you for joining us. I really had fun with this. Yes, it was a, it was a great time. And um, I look forward to maybe coming back sometime. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have you back. Uh, most certainly. Uh, maybe we can have you do uh, one of our our uh, shows on your American experience, and you can just give us a little rundown of what it's like what it's like to have been Abby. I I would love to do that. You know, it's a uh, my my experience at being not a white person is very different from yours, which you and I have talked about before. So mm-hmm. happy to share. Well, Reg, I think that's about it. If you want to lead us out. Yeah, as always, uh, speak your truth, tell your story. And stay woke. You can find John at TempeWMF on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find his other stuff at Tempe'sWorld.com. And you can find Reggie at Hedonis. That's H-I-D-D-A-N-A-S. He co-hosts In My Humble Opinion and the Cinema Chat Podcast. You, you you had an additional guest at the end there. Um, I am now holding a baby. Oh. She's reaching for the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. You tell him. You tell him. Oh. There might be a bonus at the end. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Tagging that on. Easter egg. Okay, say bye-bye. Can you say bye? Bye. <laughs>